welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Pastor, this is our 50th episode of Connecting Faith to Life podcast. A little applause? Yeah, okay. Uh, we're excited about that, and we're, today we're going to be looking about how God is working in the Charleston, South Carolina area. And as a church that has firmly planted our roots here, I think it's important that we bring in some special people that can help, or a special person in particular that can help us learn that. So, Pastor Tommy, get us started. All right, so here we are at episode 50, and for episode 50, we do have a spe- Can you believe it's been 50 already, Trey? Yeah, it's unbelievable, but it's true. 50. There you go again. <laughs> 50 weeks of hearing your voice. <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Well, thank you. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you know this, Trey. Um, did you know this? We are not the only church in the Charleston area. Actually, I did know that, but <laughs> I, I think there's another one or two somewhere. Right. Around. So, you know, we, we, we drive uh, from our house to church every Sunday, mm. and we see about 50 other churches exactly. as we exactly. ride down the street to get here. But it's very easy for us, and it? it's very easy to kind of get tunnel vision when it comes to the local church. That, that honestly, I mean, I think about church. I think about the church I go to. I think about Northwood and what God's doing at Northwood. I mean, God is doing a great work all over. Amen. Our city, and so this is going to be a helpful conversation because I want our people who listen to this podcast regularly, and there are others who are parts of different churches who listen regularly as well. I want them to be aware of what God is doing, not only at Northwood but all across this city. And so we have a guest with us today who is who really has his his hands all in the city and can help us to understand what God is doing in the greater Charleston area. So we have Craig Tuck with us. Craig Tuck has been in Charleston for... Now, you're a Charleston native. Yes, I am. Trey, you've been in Charleston for all 75 years of your life. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 59. 59 years of your life. So you, you know Charleston very well. But Craig also knows Charleston well. Craig, you've been in Charleston for how long? Right, up, right about 18 years. 18 years. Okay. Now, where are you from originally? Originally from Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, the, the geographic south, not the cultural south, the geographic <laughs> south. <laughs> That's right. So so you've been here eight. So where were you before you were in Charleston? Uh, so from Miami, went to Atlanta. Okay. And That's served, right. Served That's right. You were Johnny Hunt That's there. That's right. Yeah. Yep, and then for, came to the promised land of Charleston yeah, and have been That's here right. ever Low since. Okay, 2003. Okay. Yep. So you've had a variety of roles in the Charleston yep. area. You came as a, kind of an associate pastor That's at right. Coast, um, East Cooper in Mount Pleasant. Right. You were there for... Yeah, about 11, 11 years, years total. Yep. And then you planted a church, mm-hmm. Centerpoint, which you're still a part of, that That's church, right. what, two years ago? Has it been two years or three years? It's actually been six now. Oh, I don't even know. So six years go. ago, mm-hmm. you guys merged together with a, a Sorry, historic yeah. church downtown and revitalized that That's church right. downtown and just really doing a great work down there. Amen. And now your current role, which you've been in for three years. Yeah, three years. Okay, yeah. that makes, okay, I'm putting it together now. Yep. Three years now, you've been the director of missions 
in the Charleston Baptist Association. Now, most of our people know that we are a Southern Baptist church, Mm -hmm. but we still don't know what all that means sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So explain to us briefly what it means to be a director of missions in the Charleston Baptist Association. You're not like the Pope of the Baptist churches. No, I'm not a bishop. Close, yeah. But not quite. You know, some have called me the bishop, and I'm not that either. (laughs) Well, what are you? (laughs) So some days I'd like to be a bishop, though. You know what I mean? I am sure. (laughs) Um, So my role really is as, as a executive director is to work with an association of churches that willingly come together for the sake of spreading the great commission Mm -hmm. in greater Charleston and around the world. So we're a part of this big family called the Southern Baptist convention. Mm -hmm. And as a convention, we have an international group called the IMB international mission board. We have a national group called the North American mission board. Then we have state conventions, which is our South Carolina, of course, which I want to say was the first. Um, Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were the first. And in fact, our association was started in 1751. And so we were actually the very first mm-hmm. huh. uh, Southern Baptist entity, Learned if you something will. New every day. So, I have no idea. Right here in Charleston's where it all began. It's kind of like the Cooper and, and the uh, Ashley River. It yeah. says where they meet is where the Atlantic Ocean is formed. You know, so that's how it works. You know, I, so. I, I, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. Okay. The Southern Baptist Convention started that's in right. Augusta, Georgia. That's right. So I just that's always it. assumed that Georgia was the first Baptist Convention, state convention. But I guess no. I was wrong. Right I, need, I need to learn my history. Right here. So the, the the real delight in that, uh, Pastor Tommy, is that is to have churches that willingly and freely partner together yeah. for the sake of the gospel. At the same time, we we also respect and I think in a lot of ways have strength by having the churches that are autonomous. Right. So right. every church is led by their leadership. Absolutely. But they willingly cooperate together. That's yeah. why the whole cooperative program that was started years and years ago is to say we cooperate together willingly for the sake of reaching all people, mm-hmm. both here and around the world. World. Yeah. That's why I really love being a Southern Baptist is because of that distinctive that we have. Yeah. That we can partner together at that level. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, our people, most of them recognize that every time they give on a Sunday morning, yeah. part of that supports the work of um, Southern Baptists, whether it's yeah. International, International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, or even right here in our local community, that our faithful giving supports the work that we're doing collectively around the world. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, now tell us exactly what you do. Yep. So my role is basically to make to help our churches mobilize our churches in in three ways, and that is to help strengthen other churches, strengthen leaders, and plant churches. The mission of the CBA, which hasn't changed since 1751, is really to connect churches together for the express purpose of making disciples of all people. And so we do that here in Greater Charleston. That is our Jerusalem and yeah. our Judea mm-hmm. is we do that all right here in the tri-county area. So I, I help to see mobilization happen within those three specific areas to help strengthen the churches to carry out the Great Commission, strengthen leaders in carrying out the Great Commission, and planting churches to carry out the Great Commission. Yeah. Okay, so so we're familiar with church planting because we're church leaders. We talk about a lot. Trey, you were a church planter. You planted a church right here. In the Charleston Baptist Association. Area, right, Mount right. Pleasant. You were 2001. Actually, it was 2003. I had my number wrong, but 2003, yeah. And you guys were there for 15 years 15 as a church years, plant. That is true. Your son, Ivy, who we support at mm-hmm. Northwood, uh, he plants a church or is planting a church in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and at Northwood, we planted a church years ago before I was the pastor, um, Adam Spurlock at Restoration. Yes. 
here in uh, the Charleston area. So mm. our church has a history of being Amen. a part of church planting, which is really cool. But but here's the question, right? Because again, let's just be honest. Most of us, we come to our church, Northwood. We think about our church and we just don't think a lot about other churches and what God is doing around the community. And, and so I want us to think through that a little bit better today. So here's the question. One, what exactly is a church plant? And two, if I leave my home on Sunday morning and drive to Northwood and I see 50 churches on the way to get here, why do we need another church? Good questions. And that, that's a good good thought to wrestle with. One thing I think to keep in mind is if we see the physical side of the church uh, and then we equate that we don't need any more churches, we're really not looking at the church mm-hmm. as, as God sees it. Mm-hmm. The church is not just a gathered group that meet on a, in a place, mm-hmm. but they're really a scattered group that reads, that meets and where they live, learn, work, and play. That, that's the church as we're mobilized. So, for example, in the Tri-County area, our association has 78 churches. Mm. That's a lot of churches. Yeah. That's just Baptist churches. That's just Baptist churches, right? Doesn't count all the other ones, mm-hmm. the community yep. churches, the Church of God, that's Methodist. Right. That's 78 Baptist churches. Wow. That's a yep. lot. A lot yep. of churches. And you add to that other Jesus-loving, gospel-centered churches, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you've got a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the stats with the population. So the population by the year 2028 is projected to be at 1 million in the mm-hmm. tri-county area. Well, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, if we mandated on a Sunday— if we were able to mandate that every citizen in the Tri-County area had to go to church on one Sunday, the same Sunday, and sit down in a pew or in a chair in all the evangelical churches, the reality is we could not seat everybody in one service. Mm. It would take multiple services to Mm. do that. For one, if that was the only measure that we were trying to go for, just get mm. people to sit down on one Sunday to hear one message, of course, from Pastor Tommy Metter, of course. Why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point is that it, it's not just about having the buildings. It's really is what is God doing in that space and how the church is being mobilized in the community. How are we making disciples yeah, yeah. of every man, woman, and child as missionaries? And so here's the other issue. The other issue is that our church attendance in all the churches that we do have, the buildings, is continuing to decline and go down. So the population is going up, and who's coming into the population are people that are not looking for a church. That's not their first priority. Mm. There was a day that when you moved to a community, you got your job, right? You found your home, and you found your church. Well, that third aspect is not on the list Mm. for most people. Mm. They're coming in from a a secular background. Many of them are coming in from all over the world because our city, of course, has got number one on the list, right, for tourism and all those things. And so they're coming in to visit. They want to stay. They want to buy industries bringing in a lot more people who are just unchurched. Then there's some that are coming in that that are done with church, right? It's called the nuns and the duns. Yeah, the nuns and the duns. The nuns and the duns. The nuns are those that have no background at all. And the duns are like, yeah, I've been there and I'm not doing it again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they've had a bad experience. So we've got a higher and growing population with that group while our church attendance is either in decline or it's getting to the place where it's like some of our churches that hold 500 people have, you know, 18 people right, in the pews. Right, right. So when you look at a building, don't you can't think, well, there's plenty of churches here. Well, you got to go inside and take a look who's in there. Absolutely. How Absolutely. many are sitting down? Number two, what is that group doing to reach people right around them in their neighborhoods or in their workplaces? Yeah. yeah. So, it's so planning a new church becomes strategic. It becomes very strategic. <laughs> but does. but we're not just planning new churches though, and we're also helping some of these churches that are struggling right. to do better. That's exactly right. right. So, so first, tell me, tell me, 
some stories about some church plants in the Charleston area where you see God just at work in some tremendous ways. Yeah. So I mentioned about six years ago, Centerpoint was mm-hmm. started and uh, that's when the church plant was started. The Citadel Square merger actually is going into its third year now. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. Um, church plants um, are, are in a sense, a way by which a new reality can take place. Uh, whenever there is a, a new movement of the Lord of the Holy Spirit, through the calling of a leader or calling of a group, um, what we see is that evangelism goes up super high mm. because everything mm. is new yeah. and there's a willingness and a desire to see something happen. Yeah. And so people engage that. Just like going on a mission project, if your church does that, people go there and they experience a life-changing reality. They come back and your church feels it. It's dynamic. Oh, well, it do, they do. It, mm-hmm. it is, isn't it, Trey? Yeah. So the, the amazing thing about that is that with a church plant, it's the same way, except you're being a missionary in your own city, mm-hmm. and you're going out to plant. So over the past uh, four years in our association, uh, we've seen right around uh, 13 churches be planted, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, this year, interesting enough, is that we're going to plant four churches amidst a pandemic, wow. which is mm-hmm. amazing, mm-hmm. right? Four churches, and here's the other amazing thing. All four churches are being led by a minority leader. Wow. Praise the Lord. Wow. Now, isn't yeah, that's that good news? Yeah, that's, that's good news. Now, actually. think about the contextualization of that, right, in our, mm-hmm. in our world today and all the polarization with ethnicity and all the division and, and just the pain that we're going through. That the Holy Spirit is pushing forward four church plants led by minority leaders. Mm. Now, to me, that's a display of the hope of the gospel that I believe is the remedy for all of the brokenness, right? Absolutely. So, boy, we applaud that, and that's exciting. So we'll see uh, a couple of Hispanic churches get planted. We'll have an African-American church planted and a Brazilian church planted this year. And if you're a part of Northwood... The Brazilian church will actually meet on our campus. That's right. Yep. That's pretty exciting, huh? It's awesome. So we've seen a Hispanic church, Gracia, they've Mm -hmm. come and been a part of us. We've kind of helped them plant in this area. Mm -hmm. And now, so for those who are listening who are part of the North of Family, we, whether you know or not, we're involved in this. We're in this with with our city. Up to our necks in a good way. Up to our necks. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool. So something new. Yep. Church playing is, is, effective because you're seeing a fresh movement of the spirit and but we still have churches like you talked about that seat 500 people but maybe have 18 people that meet and if something's not done those churches will maybe close their doors in a few years and won't ever open again so what are we seeing in charleston with some of these churches that are struggling the 50 churches that we passed by on the way to northwood and the vast majority of those churches aren't doing what well. we just say forget you let's just plant new churches and leave those churches alone they're going to die anyway so just forget about those what, what are we doing to help those churches yeah and that's that's the dynamic too again of strengthening churches mm-hmm. um is strengthening churches happen in a couple ways one is revitalization where a church says by god's grace and the strength he's given to us we're going to repurpose ourselves and our church and we're going to ask for help from the outside to give us direction and consultation yeah. and then on their own they pray and the holy spirit moves and Revitalization is a good work. It's a hard work, and it takes a long time. Replanting is the other way. Mm. And replanting is when you say, you know what? We have gospel history here. Mm. The gospel was planted here years ago, whatever year it was. In fact, the first first Baptist church in our denomination was started right here in Charleston, Mm. downtown, 1682. Mm. And so we have a lot of history. So we have a lot of churches that are very historical that over years in time, either contextualization didn't happen, 
and so they begin to decline, or other reasons happen why that church goes through, maybe a division in the church or whatever. So when we see those footprints, I call them footprints of the gospel around our community, that the the dynamic for our association is to say, let's not lose that footprint. Let's not use that strategic missional base to reach people and to be an expression of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so when church planters come into town or they're raised up in our churches to go plant a church, one of the things I ask them to pray for seriously is to think about replanting a church because it really is the same dynamic in principle, Mm -hmm. but the application is totally different. You're entering into someone else's history. You're going to be inheriting whatever that good or bad history is, but you'll have also the opportunity to embrace a bride of Christ that's already there. Mm -hmm. And if they're willing and open, and we're seeing this, Tommy, in amazing ways, that there are churches that are saying, we've done all we can to revitalize and we must do something and we don't want this to die on us. So they open their hands, they open their hearts, they open their doors, a church planner and a team comes in, and basically you become this blended family. Mm. And that blended family becomes this new reality of a new church plant, if you will, within an existing Mm. church. It's kind of like Jesus talked about with wineskins. He says, you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. And wineskin really, I think, contextually in this metaphor is the culture, the DNA of that church that needs to change. And so what happens with new leadership and a church plant team is they come in with that new wine skin perspective, mm. and the new wine becomes that existing church that's there and that group of people that come in to say, we're going to be a family, and we're going to replant the gospel here again and write a new chapter. And that's one thing you don't do. You don't erase the chapters that are in a book. They're there. Uh, every family has good chapters and bad chapters. Mm. You don't erase them. You say, okay. By God's grace and in Jesus' name, we're going to redeem this moment, and we're going to turn the page, right? And we're going to write a new chapter here. So over the past um, five years, we have seen six of our churches be replanted. Mm. Some of them had a reputation in history of being racist Mm. and of moral failure of pastors. Mm. And that wineskin had to go away. That kernel of wheat that Jesus talked about, it had to die in order for new life to come out of the ground. And then a replanted church comes in. I know one uh, out in Allendahl that was that way. Uh, Bad reputation. They were dying. 11 people left. They said, we don't want this to die on us. Mm. And we're opening our hands. Here's the keys and here's the deed. What do we do? Mm. So we called some of our churches to the table. And guess what happened? They said, we're in. Mm-hmm. We're in. In fact, First Baptist of Mount Pleasant, they planted that church back in 1952, and they came back to the table. Wow. Mm. And so did Life Park Church. And what yeah. happened was they leveraged their strength into it. And now the Church of Seawee Bay was born, and it's been now, I think it's in its fifth year. They have baptized more people in that replant in five years than they have in three decades. Wow. Mm. Wow. Awesome. What so a story. that awesome. to me is what transformation is Absolutely. about. Amen. So Absolutely. I think Amen. we need more and more of that. Citadel Square is another one of those stories. 45 people in an 800 seat auditorium, you know, over 60,000 square feet meeting in Calhoun Street right at the corner. Hanging there, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, recognizing that God is, is, it's the bride of Christ. And so that remnant there was faithful. Center Point Church was at Burke High School. And all of a sudden, this courting happened between the two and meeting and sharing space. And then that meeting and sharing space led to what's next for the chapter of this book. Well, Centerpoint said, you know what? We've got a chapter and we've got a book as well. 
But I think we'll change the title on ours and name it Citadel Square mm-hmm. and become part of your history. And so since that point, just, you know, over over four years, three years, uh, we've seen such growth reaching the college students. So that 45 turned into about, you know, a few hundred, uh, you know, with our church plant. Right. And now right before the pandemic, we were pushing right about 650. Wow. Reaching wow. people and seeing people baptized and lives change. Mm. And so Amen. to me, to see the gospel light shine again brightly in a church that everyone in this community that's been here a long time knows had a bright light mm-hmm. and had a lot of things at the same time it had some bad history to it yeah but the reality is new life has come and so replanting is a strategic way that churches can be planted again mm. and uh, we're seeing that happen yeah so so you think about church revitalization for those who aren't really familiar with the terms church revitalization is that a church decides hey we've got to change our story and so that church maybe is resourced by some other people, but the church takes on that responsibility itself to change their story. Yep. Church planning is when a church says, we need a lot of help to change our story. We need somebody to come in and take the lead with that, correct? Right. Is that how you would explain it? That's exactly it? right. Yep. Okay, okay. Yep. So so question is, okay, so uh, people listening today to this episode, man, it's encouraging to hear how God's at work in a place like Citadel Square or in Allendahl or to hear about new churches planted even in the midst of this pandemic. Um, I guess two questions for uh, the person who's listening to this who maybe is involved in a church like Northwood or another local church. One is, okay, that sounds really cool, but really, how does that affect me? Why should I care? And, and two, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, 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 first, it's practical and personal, right? Yeah. So w- when, uh, when a church member hears the pastor or staff talk about church planting, uh, it sounds kind of like, well, that's great for, for the, uh, the, the paid leaders to lead that mm. missional effort, um, and I'll just keep listening and, and praying alongside. But, but church planting is much more than a, just a missional initiative, it involves um, it involves the whole church, and it's personal and it's practical in this way. As we were talking about earlier, about one million people in the Tri-County area. Most people that are going to be invited to come to a church may not come with you on a Sunday because it's just so foreign to them contextually to do that. But they would probably come into your home if you've invited them to dinner, right? right. right? So I believe the church is very much like a home. It's a family. Mm-hmm. And you come to a table every Sunday, and what happens? The the bread of life is put on the table. Mm-hmm. We hear from the Word of God. We meet with God's people. We're encouraged. We have conversation as a family. We share things together. That's what a family does. And so I think the church is like a bigger table. Mm-hmm. But I think we're called to be the church by opening up our homes and creating a table where someone may be inclined to go to first. Right. So that should be true of any believer, that we're going to open our homes to anyone around me to love my neighbor as myself we're going to create a table and a space to reach my neighbor in that opportunity. And when you do that, you're actually about the work of church planting. Mm. You're mm. planting the gospel in your own neighborhood. Mm. And as you plant it in your neighborhood, guess what happens? People begin to see, they begin to believe, they begin to change. And where do they go? Well, they go to church with you. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. But some people are in a situation where it would be better to plant a new church with some of these new believers to start uh, a work of mission together. And so the practical and personal side is I think every member is called to be a missionary disciple where they live, learn, work, and play. So you create a table in your home. You bring them to the bigger table of the church. Mm. But for church planting, I think as we think about our our context, we're going to have to begin to get serious about taking on a missionary disciple mm. DNA mm. if we're going to reach every man, woman, and child. Mm. With churches declining 
And with the population coming in that has no interest or no context for spiritual things or even the Word of God, we've got to begin making it extremely personal. And so when your church or when like Northwood says, hey, guess what? We're going to be part of this Brazilian church or we're going to be helping with a replant, say, um, that's an opportunity to take your missionary behaviors and just begin to shift it in a way that God's going to use because there's a unified effort towards seeing the gospel be expressed in a place that's needed. So, for example, right now there's a church on Remount Road. Remount Baptist Church has been there, um, you know, I think since 1948, I think Mm. is the year. And back in the day when the Navy shipyard was here, it was bustling. I mean, that area was growing. That's how Park Circle really got started. And so as it was established there, Remount grew to, I think, about 1,800 members. Mm. Well, Mm. today they're down to about 45. Mm-hmm. And so to see that decline and to see the missed opportunity of reaching people around there, that group are faithful. They love the Lord. They love the church, but they cannot, they cannot sustain themselves and nor can, can the impact of the gospel really be effective and impactful unless you see some kind of strength come into that place. So I'm excited about that being really a, a next, a next replant yeah. here in our city. Yeah. So what we're praying for is for more stories like Citadel Square. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That that what happened there might happen at Remount or other churches in our area. That, That's right. Because you know every church is is important in the eyes of God. Obviously, yeah. whether it's a brand new church or a church that's been around for fifty or sixty years or a hundred mm-hmm. years, whatever the case may be, they're they're all important to God, and He wants every mm-hmm. church to be impactful for that's the it, kingdom, amen. right? And that's so right. so that is personal for us, that that when we at Northwood think about church, we shouldn't just think about Northwood. We should think about the entire body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there are our, our sister churches that we have in our area that are struggling. How can we help? How can we... I mean, the first step we can take is just to pray mm-hmm. for a work of God all across our community. And then when opportunities come up to be involved, to go maybe help lead a vacation Bible school at church or something like that, take advantage of those opportunities because we're, we're all on the same team. That's right. Right. And, That's right. And we probably don't play on the same team as much as we need to. Right, Trey? Uh, yeah. You know, my cons- I, d- I can just say uh, when I came and I started a church in Mount Pleasant, the churches that got behind me w- was huge. I mean, yeah. East Cooper was there for me. Mm-hmm. Charleston Baptist was there for me. Um, several other churches. Um, uh, Skip Owens Church out mm-hmm. in, uh, I can't think, Calvary Baptist yep, Church. Calvary. Uh, but they were there for me. And just knowing I had the support and the encouragement and the prayer was huge for me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, I, I just think it's an ongoing responsibility mm-hmm. of every church to be involved yeah. in what, whatever they can do to help start a you, church. There's something also, absolutely, I, I totally agree, Trey, that there's something also super practical about this. And, and this is where I'm at in my life. My kids, I have four kids. They have, uh, they've all left the house. They're mm-hmm. married now, thankfully, and all gainfully employed. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> but to watch them go through that, that change, well, because they have changed and entered a new chapter of their life, so have Rebecca and I. You know, we're empty nester mm-hmm. now. We're learning about what the empty nesting is like, right? But one of the greatest joys for me is to see multiplication happen in my family. Yeah. I have three son-in-laws and one daughter-in-law, yeah. and I love it. I have one granddaughter. So as my family grows and multiplies, it's the same thing about church planting and discipleship. You multiply yourself and other people, mm. and that that multiplication effect happens with people that you multiply into. They multiply with others. And that's what we want to see happen. So when a church says we want to multiply ourselves collectively or corporately, what does it look like? Well, it becomes a mother 
to mm-hmm. a daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a family. You, you have a, a son or daughter, and then you begin to see them create their own family, and they start off. And that's God's plan. God's plan is to multiply and for life to reproduce itself. And so to me, it's as practical as watching your family grow and extend and expand. The same thing's true for the church. I believe the principle of churches planting churches. Mm. That's so important because you have to step out of the reality that you have. You can't create something on your own that's not. And so you step out of the reality of disciple-making and exporting leaders out. And that's what I'm thankful for Northwood Church Mm. and the commitment that you have to see disciples be made, but also disciples be sent. Mm. And I think that's really significant. And I'm praying that more of our churches will embrace that vision and then practically begin doing it. Yeah. Yeah, just the reminder that, you know, God's work is much larger than what we oftentimes think, right? That he is at work in ways that we can't see, we don't know, but wherever he's at work, we want to be a part of that, right, Trey? Amen. Craig, we appreciate you coming and being a part. Craig Tuck is our, uh, I guess the term's executive director. That's right. Executive director of Charleston Baptist Association. It's been a pleasure to have you here to kind of share your heart. Uh, Pastor Tommy, uh, we appreciate you always uh, being on the front line of these things to make sure the gospel's going out. Mm-hmm. So why don't you close us out as we look forward yeah. to next week as yeah. well. I hope this has been helpful for you today as you've been considering what it looks like to be a part of a church that loves the gospel and that wants to see the gospel go forward in a lot of different ways, planting churches, helping churches where that might be. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening today, uh, Maybe make it a commitment of your own to just pray. Pray that God would enlarge your vision for what he's accomplishing, not only through the life of your local church, but your community, your city, your nation, and your world. And just asking God the simple question, God, how can I be involved? We hope this has been helpful for you today. We hope that if it has been helpful for you, you'll go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. You can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Share it with a friend. And as always, we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.